Welcome to the podcast edition of Maximum Growth Live, the number one program for lawyers who want to grow their practices. Each week, our hosts, Seth Price and Jay Ruane, tackle the fundamental questions about how to grow the profit and profitability of your law firm. To watch the program live, submit your questions and hear the latest episode. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook for our live show. Maximum Growth Live is a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of Maximum Growth Live. My name is Jay Ruane, and I'm one of the hosts here, CEO of FirmFlex, your social media marketing agency for lawyers, as well as managing partner of Ruane Attorneys, a civil rights and criminal defense firm in Connecticut. With me, as always, in our nation's capital, or close there to, is my friend Seth Price. Seth is the founder and managing partner of Price Benowitz, your D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and South Carolina law firm handling family, criminal, PI, uh, probably something else that I don't even know about. Well, less, uh, as- less and less. We're, 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 we're trying to focus more and more. We got we like that trio. That's That sounds good. But it's, uh, it's, that's, a, that's- it's a solid trio. But you also have Blue Shark. I don't want to miss out on Blue Shark. SEO for law firms uh, really developed a, a, a national reputation as the go-to guy when it comes to how an, a law firm can position themselves digitally. And Seth, How's your week going this week? It's going going well. It's good to be here with you. You know, look, it's a trying time. You, you, you've been very public talking about things kicking your ass. Uh, you know, yeah. it is definitely, I feel like, the strain of COVID, not like the stuff we talked to the beginning of the oh shit, but like knowing that we have the, the, the lack of human touch. I think that there are certain efficiencies that we've lost and that 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 is starting to strain. Some of those margins aren't there. The velocity, the up and down, there's just stuff outside the box that we're both dealing with and ever our listeners are dealing with from cash flow to morale to motivation that those things, things that were sort of locked in are are not there and those are those are those are challenging. Yeah, you know the the cash flow thing really is impacting a lot of firms. I know it's impacting ours. I'm sure our listeners and our viewers uh, are, are are finding the same problem because you know people who used to pay more regularly uh, are now slow playing because they don't necessarily know where their funds are going to be. So there's this ripple effect, and of course the costs don't go away. In fact, in some instances, you've got some increased costs. Uh, to, you know, for your remote workers who need more supplies and the technology. Uh, I just recently had to buy you know 20 new laptops. I mean, it was time. We were probably going to have to do it this year um, if last year didn't exist. Um, because we, but, but I think there's another piece that, that's sort of the elephant in the room that doesn't affect you as it does, but like, look, it's cash flow from the point of view of the courts aren't open. They're not moving as fast. So for you, it takes longer to get through a case and earn money. Like what I've said since day one, if you go back to our early recordings from like March and April, which was the short term PIS stuff settling, but the bigger stuff, that's where, you know, you know, you have money coming to you. The question is when, and that's, that's the very stressful, the stressful piece. So I think that all of those things, the strain is there in some areas like in the South and in Florida, life is quasi back to normal. We still don't have people with that velocity of life here. They're just not out. Are the roads busy? Yeah, the roads are busy. So in some cases they can go fast and get into accidents, but the general 
serendipity of life that causes the needs for the different things we do just doesn't seem to be happening yet at those massive rates. Again, better than it could have been. It's not the utter disaster this could have been. And yeah. like God willing, these strains are not as bad. And the, you know, these, these boosters are going to be fine, but it's just all goes into risk. And all of our employees are living this day to day and keeping them motivated and focused has been definitely something that it comes and goes, but it is something that if you take your eye off of can be really detrimental. Yeah, and one of the things from a from a, an owner perspective is when you spend a lot of time motivating uh, and, and and making sure that your team is in the right mental space. It's draining to you, and it can impact you. Uh, like I said, you know, I'm I'm better now, but last week I was getting my ass kicked, and I was really down, morose. Uh, and 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 but I to my staff. I was, hey, we're going to be fine. We're going to be good. This is going okay. Uh, and it, that, that is like doubly draining, you know? That, well, if it, we could have a better guest this week. This is, we got somebody coming on who's great at sort of motivating to watch his story has been remarkable. And, uh, you know, Michael Mogul with what he's done with Crisp uh, is just a, a sight to behold. So let's, let's get him out here. Cause at least, at least there, we're going to, we're going to end with amazing positive energy and some, uh, some great yeah. insights, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. You know, I got to spend some one on one time with him last year uh, in, in an airport lounge for two hours while we were waiting for our flights and just talking to him, uh, just inspirational. And, you know, it, it's one thing to see somebody have grown so large because I can remember when Chris started hitting the legal market. Um, but, you know, he's really done this himself. And it's really sort of a fascinating story uh, that that he has getting into this area uh, and, and really sort of cornering the market. Um, and and then he's really sort of amped it up and, and taken it to the next level, the next level, the next level. Uh, so I really want to talk to him. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a quick break? Uh, we're going to hear from our sponsors. And when we get back, we'll have Mike Mogul from Chris Video. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with more Maximum Growth Live. The lawyers who will succeed in the next decade are the ones who are focusing on building their brands where people meet, and there is no place better to build your brand than on social media. With the FirmFlex DIY social media plan, hundreds of lawyers like you are using social media to build their brand and become the one lawyer in their community that people know, like, and trust. By spending even just five minutes a day on social media marketing, you can engage with hundreds or thousands of people in your local community who will need your services. By cultivating a network of followers, you build a book of business that you can market to the next decade and beyond. If you are looking for a solution to help you jumpstart your social media marketing, look no further than the DIY plan at GetFirmFlex.com. The DIY was created by a small firm lawyer for people just like you helping you connect with local people online and build your brand and engage people in the topics they want to talk about. All for under $100 a month. To find out more, visit GetFirmFlex.com. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%. Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm, so I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. Hey, it's Becca here. I'm sure you've heard Jim and Tyson mention the Guild on the podcast and in the Facebook group. The Guild is this perfect mix of a community, group coaching, and a mastermind. 
Guild members get so many benefits, including weekly live events and discounts to all Maximum Lawyer events. Head over to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash the guild to check out all the benefits and watch a few testimonials from current members. So head to MaximumLawyer.com and click on the guild page to join us. Now, let's get back to the episode. Thrilled to have Mike Mogul here, the founder of Chris Video. Uh, so, so happy for you to make time to join us today. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. So lot, lots transpired since we've uh, had uh, talked to you last. Uh, the, the world shut down, uh, you know, slowly coming back, uh, lawyers doubling down on marketing. Talk to us about your last 12 months. Well, I mean, we, we were just saying the last 12 months feels like, you know, 12 years, but uh, it's been it's been eventful. I, I, I'll put it that way. So we, you know, on our side, we've grown the team. We invested a lot in team training and development. We increased headcount was 50%. Um, we bought a building at the height of COVID. Like a lot of the things that we've been, we've been up to, I guess you can't really see them until the world reopens. But it's just been head down. We looked at it and said, well, what can we do, right? And of course, with our clients, I mean, this is, uh, we built out these like amazing like communities, if you will, because you know, during COVID, people weren't traveling like they, they needed support i think there were obviously a lot of business challenges going on and having you know just hearing from other attorneys and learning from other lawyers i think is paramount especially during the last 12 months because if you're just around the people that are in your local market and you know the majority of them are complaining about all the things they can't do um that's not really good for anybody and especially over a 12-month period no, and uh, look, I, watching from afar, but excited. We have the the first major virtual conference coming up. Tell us, tell us about that. Uh, it looks like an incredible lineup of speakers. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying it's the first major because it's it, uh, and, I, and I appreciate that. But I mean, so here's here's the thing. If you're familiar with the Game Changers Summit, our in-person conference, we obviously you know postponing that till the end of this year because of COVID. I mean, our our goal actually was to have it last year. Um, but during that time, we felt that November would be a long time to wait, and we wanted to do a good virtual conference. The challenge, as I mentioned, like it, you know, the word good, is that at this point, you know, when, when COVID first hit, I think getting on a Zoom, everybody was excited. They could do five webinars a week, and you know, they loved it. Um, the, just the consumption was at an all-time high. But then I think about six months, maybe nine months into it, um, Zooms and, and staying on a Zoom was just like the, the last thing that anybody wanted to do. And particularly virtual events, um, early on, I think people saw innovation. They basically tried to take the in-person experience and just make it all virtual, like virtual exhibit halls, virtual booths, virtual everything. And if you've ever, if you've ever attended a conference like that, you find that that experience doesn't really translate the same way. Like the idea is there, right? If we could just take everything that's you know in-person and physical and just make it virtual, that people will engage the same way. But you find that it online and virtual is really not the case. Yeah. So... Um, so we set out to, to basically do a good one. And then uh, a part of it was just um, just because you know, we wanted to take on the challenge of doing it. Um, on the, um, but on the other side of it as well, it's just that uh, it, we needed a way to bring people together and to really have an entrepreneurial like um, law firm growth conference that I think could be very high end. Because, you know, my, I think a lot of people were expecting the COVID stuff to end at the end of 2020. Um, they got held in there, you know, for a while. And then you start in January and you know, I've talked to a lot of firm owners that were just demoralized, right? And even with the vaccine and everything like that, they, they've still seen like, you know, cash flow hasn't improved and, 
um, you know, so the basis for the event was really, you know, to create a bit of optimism um, to, to talk about. I mean, we based this on like, you know, talking about building the law firm of the future, how, you know, the industry will continue to grow and innovate what law firm owners can do. And uh, and we felt that that's something that you know, would be valuable to people. I think, you know, I, I look at uh, you know, the Tony Robbins events as sort of like one of the pinnacle of like high energy intensity. And I've watched from afar again, him trying to bring some of that dynamism to his virtual events. I'm just curious before Jay jumps in, what are some of the things that you've been like the speaker lineup is crazy, right? You got, you got like world, you know, thought leaders in a variety of different areas, which I love because it's bringing energy and just how perspective from outside of the, okay, how do I get more calls? How do I, you know, answer the phone more effectively, et cetera. So it's taking you to that next level, but how, what are some of those steps that you're taking? Cause that's gotta be a, you know, a whiteboard area where there, there was no path. How do you take people and create the energy? Having been to the last few Chris summits, um, there's an, a definite, you know, buzz and energy and electricity, like getting that translated online is going to be no small feat. Yeah, so I'll see. Uh, let's see how much I can share because we've been trying to keep some of it under wraps. I I'll say first and foremost because we've we've positioned this as a virtual experience. In uh, the goal there is that it's not just an event you attend; it's an event that you are a part of. So uh, you know we have to think. It's a two-day event. How do you keep people engaged throughout the day? And you know our first thought was how do we make them actually be a part of the event? And what that means is that you know you'll see we're, we're doing like this 360 um, like basically LED screen where every attendee is in the background. Like you can see yourself, people can engage, they can participate with the speakers while they're speaking. Like all, that's one thing. Um, and, you know, and there's going to be several things that happen throughout the event where this isn't going to be something where you have, you know, on in the background and you're sitting there doing slacks and emails. I mean, if we, if we execute it correctly, like this is something where everything stops for two days and either you or you and your team are sitting there and actively participating in this. We're taking into account uh, even virtual aside is, what is that, you know, what about the tangible, like physical assets, like that you actually can send somebody, right? So we're doing like physical workbooks. Um, we're even, uh, let's see, I'll, I'll get in trouble for sharing this, but you know, I mean, maybe we end up sending perhaps. Well, I, I don't know, I don't, but Michael, I think ironically, <laughs> as you said that, you, we may have actually lost the sound. So if you just re repeat what you just said, <laughs> it sounded, it was tight. So, I mean, we're, we're considering every every element of the experience, and one of which is like the audio, right? So if you've been to an in-person event, you know we've got like big sound and like, you know, just big speakers, there's a DJ, all those things. But virtually, you know, everybody's environment's a little bit different. Some might watch it on their laptop, some might see it in the conference room, some might, you know, in their TV, in their living room. Um, so we're trying to, you know, address that inconsistency. You know, we may be sending out like Bluetooth speakers. Uh, it's like an example of every element. And I mean, there's going to be some people that roll their eyes and say, well, okay, who cares about the sound? But we find that when you're talking about engagement and experience, everything matters. I mean, the sound matters, the visuals matter. I mean, that's how people learn, right? If, if you can communicate the same information in multiple different ways. And one way that they're not going to retain anything and probably be in and out throughout the whole day. Another, another way where they're just excited and energized to be a part of it. So, um, you know, when we looked at the event, we said, okay, first, you know, um, speakers, content, that's got to be world-class. Um, so we got, you know, you, you guys know this, like even industry and even outside of industry speakers like Marcus Limonas and Seth Godin and Eric Thomas. Um, and then, you know, uh, like speakers like Mike Papantonio and Joe Fried and, and so on. So, you know, we're addressing both components there. Then there's the focus on the experience itself, which, 
I mean, one could argue, especially now with, with virtual, um, if you know, if it's not substantially better, uh, I think people will tune out. I, I'm telling you, just from this experience and what we've been working on, um, this might be my first and last uh, virtual summit. And, and I'm saying yeah, it's just you, because you said that to me before your first. In, you said that to me before your first in person, and 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 you crushed it out of the park. Uh, I'll have passed the J one second, but are, is the is the purpose of the Bluetooth speaker that you're going to actually tap into their thermostat through the Bluetooth and be able to get the temperature down to simulate that same in person experience where you want to make sure they don't fall asleep. I mean, look, it, the, the, the best part about events, uh, and I think what makes Disney Disney, is that you can control every aspect of that experience. You know, in an in-person event, you control the temperature in the room, the food, like everything that's going on. And virtually, that's obviously challenging because every person's situation is quite different. But if you don't address some of those things, then it's just, it's just another Zoom meeting, right? So um, we're going to do everything we can. Um, I can say that um, you know, the, the investment in the Game Changer Summit, the um, the in-person event, is a seven-figure investment. This one is more. Let me put it that way. Like we are investing more in this wow. virtual event than we have in any in-person event. And I didn't think that that's what it would be. It, that's just, just what it's turning out to be. That's that that's really phenomenal. And and one of the things that I think is impressive. And sorry, I had a little mic trouble uh, while you're going before, but I I, I was able to uh, pick up on it. Is um, it, it seems that you've definitely learned a lot from that that first one that you did last year because I was an attendee there, and I was blown away by what you put together then and there. Uh, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that because it seems like there are a lot of corollaries to how you've grown crisp and. Obviously, Max Growth Live, we're all focusing on growing your firm, you know, it's just like you're focusing on the law firm of your future. Let's talk a little bit about your origin story for the people who don't know you and your path to growth of CRISPS so that they understand that, you know, this isn't something that you were just handed and you're the CEO of this company. I mean, you grew it from, you know, boots on the ground, you and you and a camcorder, basically, it seems. So tell us a little bit about the backstory so people can get the big picture of who you are because I think that's important for context here. Yeah, uh, so I mean, right right out of the gate, I started the company in 2012, um, had $500 to my name. Um, we never had any investors, no loans, no partners, nothing like that. So everything as we've grown the business, you know, we bootstrapped it and, and we've continued to reinvest in it. So whenever we talk about a big investment like like this conference or anything else, I mean, that's not that's not loan money, right? That's us. That's us placing a bet on it. Um, and when I started the business, we were a video company. Uh, people told me that there's no future in, in online video in 2012. Um, and because Facebook wasn't what it is today, YouTube wasn't in, what isn't what it is today. Um, I felt differently. And then uh, we started working with law firms in, uh, in, in 2014, uh, video primarily. So we, we were helping firms you know, differentiate themselves. Obviously, we know with many law firms, very commoditized practice, very competitive practice. Um, and it, it, for many consumers, it's difficult to tell one apart from another. So how does a law firm that may not have the same resources that, let's say, the firm that can do TV and radio and billboards, how do they compete? And you know, our way of supporting that was to help differentiate them through their video, to tell their story, their why, communicate why they do what they do. And then the lower barrier to entry from a marketing standpoint was in social media. I mean, just for, for a smaller firm, for them to be competitive, they couldn't go out and buy billboards or run TV ads. So, uh, but they could create you know, video content and they could place that on social. Um, and as that expanded, they were able to do much better targeting. Their reach was substantially greater. So we basically went from video company to video marketing company because we started just, just doing the videos. 
And then our clients didn't know what to do with them. So that's when we started actually placing this content and placing it on social. And then about uh, two and a half, almost three years ago, uh, we realized that you can have great content, you can have great marketing, and you can, you know, let's say you get the phone ringing, but if you don't know how to answer the phone, or if the leadership team isn't right, if the, if the culture of that organization isn't right, they don't know how to hire and, and train and you know, develop their team and even retain those team members. Uh, if foundationally that firm isn't strong, that's always going to be a function of the, of the return on investment of the marketing, right? So everybody you know, believes they have a lead problem. And I think the mistake that I made uh, in, in writing my first book, because I'm writing the second one now, is I think I wrote them in reverse order. So the, the first book being the marketing book, it's like, that, I think that's what everybody wanted. Um, and it, what I've realized is that that's the tip of the iceberg. And if you can get everything right internally in the business, if you've got the right team, if you've got just the right you know, development, if you've got the right process operations, it's actually rare that you have a marketing problem. Like that solves the marketing aspect. And, and, and in fact, that's actually what we encourage. Like if you get that right from within, you know, the marketing is the bonus on top of that. But great marketing on top of bad business is, I mean, it's going to be a, you know, a very slow climb. So, so that's basically how we went from like video to marketing to, to coaching over the years. So it sounds to me like it's a lot of work. And, yes, and, and, we're like the anti-sell. It's funny with everything we do. Um, I know there's messaging out there that's like work less, relax more, um, just chill. I, and we're saying committed, you know, farm owners only. Those that aren't complacent, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be hard work. And, and I mean, look, that's just been the reality. Like you know, Jay, to to your point, when I started the business, I didn't know anything. I had five hundred dollars to my name. I was bootstrapping this. I was sitting there trying to code our website. I was shooting the videos. I was editing the videos. I was doing the sales. And you know, there was really no payroll because it was just me at the time. Um, and in learning this over time, year over year over year, I mean, I didn't even know the, the, the cause and effect of my decisions. Like I couldn't tell you a good business decision from a bad business decision. Um, I couldn't tell you if, some, you know, if somebody would be likely to work out or not likely to work out like a team member. Um, it's just a very scary place to be when you're just doing things. And I mean, I imagine a lot of firm owners listening to this, they can work hard. I mean, they're, they're hard workers and they're willing to do the work, but imagine not knowing, okay, well, uh, what type of marketing will be effective? You know, what, you know, we don't have a hiring process. So how are we going to know if somebody who interviews with us, you know, is going to be the right person for our organization? I mean, it's just a very, very difficult place to be. And for me, you know, I was working harder every year. I gritted my way to getting the business to about a million in revenue. I was so proud of myself, but you know, uh, basically coincidentally, I always ended up in the hospital of just exhaustion uh, because we had no no systems, no processes, nothing. I mean, um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was, yeah. it was horrible, and and it, there had to be a better way. So as we've learned these things over time, um, it just gets not only easier, but it's much more enjoyable uh, when you can build it and you kind of see the the cause and effect of the decisions that you can make. So, so, okay, Seth, so I got to ask this question since you know me, I'm a systems guy. Tell us about the role of systems in allowing CRISP to grow to where it is now. Yeah, you know, it's uh, people think from the outside, uh, and I know we market relentlessly and all this, and they think, they think it's the marketing that's growing us. And, and that maybe that's the, that's the sexy part, but if you look in, internally in the business, the only reason we've been able to grow beyond like, you know, that year, I'd say in 2015, you know, at that million mark, is because of systems and processes. It's kind of like Uber, right? You know, can you imagine. Um, so on average, we're doing even even through COVID around 50 big video shoots a month, and that's in markets all across you know across the U.S. Those shoots come with flights, hotels, rental cars. You have to coordinate logistics. You've got deadlines around every single project. 
without a way to have a, the right system. And that's just the, the video side. That's not the campaign management or the coaching or the workshops or anything. But without a way to manage that and make sure the trains run on time, essentially, and that everything can, you know, can continue to grow, we, we'd be stuck probably with, you know, 25 clients and that, that'd be it. Um, so it's really back to how are we working? And I mean, we've got, I mean, our operations team is one of our largest teams because in every single department, we're analyzing every process, like how can we make sure that this is more efficient? And also how can we have the team focused more on strategic work? Uh, because that's where it's, it's most leverageable, if you will. Um, and, and continue to grow and scale because, you know, with many businesses that want to grow, you can spend more money on marketing. And you can bring in more calls and leads and all this other stuff. But if you don't have the capacity to expand the business, I mean, to me, that's that's a scarier problem to have than, you know, uh, people think I don't, I don't have any. It, what a wonderful problem it is to, uh, to to be growing and have so much business you can turn it away. But I've always looked at that and was like, that scares me. That keeps me up at night, you know, to have, you know, a certain opportunity in the marketplace, you know, in any kind of in any period of time where you could grow, but you have to say no because you're not ready. That worries me. So, so really, you say that this might be your only virtual seminar, but you're building these systems now with no, no real uh, map to get it done the right way. So I can't imagine that, you know, your operations team is going to come out on the back end and say, let's never do this again. It sounds to me like you're building the systems to be the dominant force in these virtual seminars uh, because you're learning as you go and that type of thing. Seth, what do you have for me? Well, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me, and it's a lot, as I hear this, you know, having built the law firm and then digital agency, I feel like, and you mentioned with the, the second book, first uh, concept, there are things that you sort of take away as you see these things. And when you take yourself out of it, there are things, you know, the systems that I've been able to create in 2.0, obviously, I wish I knew those things when I was building 1.0. And I'm guessing that a lot of times as you're coaching larger law firms, it's the legacy issues. Talk about yourself and getting yourself out of the way. That's some, one of the things that I see for both myself, my law partner, is that the more we get out of the way and allow a team to do its work, the more that you do have that opportunity for growth and scale. Um, you know, Speak to that for a bit. Yeah. I mean, so this is one of those things that you hear from a lot of people. They, they say they're not ready, right? They want to work on the business, but the timing isn't right. Or once X, Y, Z happens, then they'll do it. And you, you find that usually that time never comes. This is usually a decision. It, 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 you know, one day you decide you're ready and one day you decide, okay, here's going to be my role in our organization. Um, but what does help to expedite this is the importance of having the right people around you, right? So uh, like I, I, people are the ones that really free you up. Um, and the ability to attract me, if you guys are familiar with like the visionary integrator dynamic, uh, I'm sure that's been discussed a lot on, you know, on, on the podcast, but just, you know, recognizing that your role as a leader, to me, it really comes down to, I guess, three things. One is visionary. Where are we going? What's the direction we're taking the organization? Um, two is like, to me, recruiting. Uh, I, I believe leaders single-handedly, like, and it may not always be you directly, but you're building the brand that attracts the type of people you want to attract. Like why you know, people say, Hey, we want the best trial lawyers. We can't hire them. Um, well, why would the best trial lawyers want to work at your practice? They could go anywhere. Right. And they're offered plenty of money everywhere. So you have to build the type of organization where those people want to work and they want to be. And then, uh, and then the last one is, uh, is, is culture control and then just, and realigning continuously. Um, you know, uh, I spoke to a firm owner the other day and they told me they're like, we hired amazing people, culture fit, awesome. You know, but six months later, they're like, they're, they're, they're like not working out. And I'm like, you think you just hire them and then put it in place and that's it and you go away. I mean, 
people require realignment, right? Uh, continuously. And in the, you know, this maintenance of like, the, you got to continuously water the grass, if you will. Um, so I think that evolution for me was just recognizing that I was going to be, I was the bottleneck unless I solved these problems. Like I, it, like, you know, from sitting in the hospital bed, I realized, okay, at that point I'm of no use to anybody. And clearly I can't work more hours. Right. Cause that's not going to you know end well for me. So, uh, I still want to grow it. How do we do that? And then also it comes down to like, you know, how do you want to spend your time? What are the things that you enjoy? You know, early on, I, I, I was focusing on trying to get really good at everything. Now I'm good at like, you know, three, three key things. And then you know, let's say horrible at everything else and just hire around that, you know, focusing on the, on the strengths primarily. So, um, but a lot of this is about making an investment in people. Um, and you know, the mindset, I think this is one of the reasons we're with the conference. We're saying it's for, you know, law firm owners and their teams is recognizing that team component is what, what takes you to the next level. Um, the mindset needs to shift around viewing team members as, as costs, right? Like th these are investments. When someone says, I can't afford to hire this person or whatever it is, you know, it's almost something that needs to be reframed to an extent because why are you hiring them? Well, I'm hiring them so that we're able to expand our capacity and they can take on more cases. Okay. So that allows the business to grow and bring in more revenue. Well, yes. Do you pay their salary up front? No. You know, so it's really an investment. And anything that frees you up or anyone that frees you up or it frees up somebody who does free you up expands your capacity. So um, I, we've always looked at you know, people as an investment. Um, if you look at them as just like this overhead, that's just the cost, then you're going to be adverse to, to hiring more of them. But as, as we've continued to grow and as we continue to bring on great people, um, that's freed up my time. It's also helped take us to the next level. So um, that's why like any investment in people has, has always the highest return. You know, at least from my experience. Great stuff. And look, having had Gerber and and others on here, I mean, like to see somebody who's executing on it at that level, uh, oh, yeah. Hardish and others is awesome. Before I flip back to Jay to conclude, the thing that I that I that strikes me in this is that you've done you, obviously you said you hired fifty percent more people during COVID. Talk to me a little bit a about systems and b about what you've learned along the way. What are some of the sort of either mistakes that were made or best practices? in the hiring systems you've created? Because to me, that is one of those things where the rubber meets the road. You can talk about it all you want, but it's like, okay, you're going to make that investment, but how do you put that machine together to make sure that you're investing in the right the right people? Yeah. I mean, with, with everything at the root of it, uh, it starts starts at the, at the start, right? So like what type of people do you bring into your organization? Um, if, if you're spending a lot of time trying to focus on rehabilitating you know, uh, low performing team members like C players and so on, that's going to be really difficult at, at the core of it, it comes down to who do we bring into the organization period. And that's a function of standards and hiring process. So hiring process means we used to not have one. Like, and this is when I thought I was really good at um, like getting a feel and kind of basing my gut instinct on like who a great person would be. And then we ran the data and found out that I was 50% right and 50% wrong. So I might as well have just flip the coin, you know, it, like it just, I was not good at it at all. And I, and I speak to a lot of business leaders that feel like I can get a sense of someone. No, you can't. So uh, the, the hiring process is key and we make it very well, difficult so, so talk to get to me, what did you do? To, what did you do to take it out of yourself? Are you using testing or using committees, using yeah. shadow days we love to talk about here? I'll, I'll give you an example. So um, we, the, the very first thing that we want to vet for is that somebody wants to work with us specifically as opposed to a job. So when we, whenever we put up a job posting, we make it clear that like to apply, you can't submit through the job site, whether it's like LinkedIn, Indeed, wherever you have a number, like a phone number you have to call, you know, so like we vet they can follow instructions. 
they call the number and that's a voicemail that gives them kind of next steps. It tells them to send a resume and the cover letter with a certain email subject line to a specific email. Okay. Then, you know, once they send that in, we see some that are resume, but no cover letter, right? Or they did the wrong subject line. We weed out probably 75% in that first step. Okay. Then once they do that, they get a phone interview. Um, and we're asking questions that are primarily more like culture-based questions. So we develop questions around our core values that without asking them, Hey, do you meet this core value? Cause everyone's going to say yes. We ask them more of like a situational uh, question where we can determine if they are results driven or solutions focused, or if they take ownership, those types of things. Um, and then once they move through, you know, through the phone interview, we have test assignments for every role. So depending on what the, you know, what the position is, we've created a test assignment for it. We've got a rubric and a key that we can go off of. Um, and that comes with a 24 hour turnaround. You know, we weed out about another 50% because they don't want to turn around in 24 hours. Um, we also have uh, other like uh, assessments, like we've used the Colby, the print, the Wonderlick. So we're testing for like cognitive, um, conative, and even intrinsic drivers um, to kind of figure out that optimal, optimal mix because you can have someone who is experienced and knows how to do the role, but do they align in terms of like, you know, the, let's say the core values of the firm, um, the culture of the firm, all those different things, which I think sometimes are even more important because you can train a lot of, a lot of the skills, um, but we're vetting all of those things. Then they, you know, they're coming in for an in-person interview, you know, so this is kind of like an abbreviated version of those steps. Um, but that weeds a lot of people out. We may have, let's say a thousand applicants for a position at the, at the top level of that funnel. If you, if you kind of look at it almost like marketing and then down when we get to final interviews, we'll, we'll have usually about five, you know, that make it to that point, sometimes three. Um, so the thing that I've always found interesting is that we have this, let's say this funnel and this vetting process. Um, but I imagine the other 990 goes somewhere, right? So someone hires them. So imagine even right out of the gate, the top, first step of the funnel, they just you know, didn't follow instructions. Somebody hires that person, right? They will go somewhere. And that's, that's always been the most baffling thing to me. Um, so like whenever you dodge a bullet because of your hiring process and you've you know, been able to like weed somebody out, another organization isn't weeding that person out. And they're, they're saying things like, why can't we find good people, right? You know, that's really interesting because, I mean, it, it, I, I think the takeaway from this really is no matter what you're going to do, you have to put in the work. So if you're going to be hiring, put in the work to hire the right way. If you're going to develop your culture, put in your work to develop the culture. And then, like you said, water the grass. I think that's the thing that a lot of people need to hear is that, you know, it, it, it sounds like to me there's a lot of lawyers out there. There's probably a lot of business people. I'm sure Seth and, and Michael, you, you've dealt with that. Uh, over the years in meeting people outside the legal field, that everyone thinks that there's this holy grail, this, I get to run a business, but I don't have to do anything. I just, you know, I get to come and go as I please. I collect a check. Uh, and and that could be great. Um, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fantasy, right? I mean, for both of you guys, I, I, I'd love to hear your opinion on that, because it sounds to me like the most successful businesses are the ones that involve the work. I mean, Mike Bloomberg could be considered the best, the most successful uh, mayor of New York City. His his uh, cubicle was dead center of the room and he would stand up and talk to people and do the work. Um, I, I, I really, well, I hate to burst bubbles, but can you have a business where you're not doing the work? Is it possible? Well, well I, look, I, I, and I'll throw this back to Mike, but I, I'm not, it, there's a difference between doing the work and leading. And I think that 
and something that I've talked to Mike about offline over the years was if he was still shooting the video, there was probably nobody better at shooting the video at the time than you. You found that since there was no, you know, you, you took you a while to find somebody who edited better than you, who could deal with sales better than you. That until you, it, it's not just you have work to do, but unless you get train and pyramid a team beneath you, you're going to be stuck with the 25 clients, right? So I think it's a, it's not that it's, it's a lot of hard work, but it's both. And I, my guess is from your lawyer consulting, it's lawyers getting out of their own way, you know, allowing other people to do that work. Mike, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, the, the reality of it is like building a business is hard and, and, and often painful. I mean, it, it's, I, I can say that now I spend my time differently than I did in 2012 when I started the business. I'm probably working much less. You know, I, I was working over 100 hours a week. Now I'm probably closer to like 50 or 60. I mean, that's you know, because we have a much larger support team and it's important for me to be home for bath time with my daughter, like that, that type of stuff. Um, but, but at the same time, like you have to be willing to, to do the work to get there, right? So, you know, there, and there's no way around that. Uh, and, and then the other component of it, is and this is what I'm finding was is a separation between so many different farm, farm owners at so many different levels. So one is you know their commitment level to like what it is that they're trying to do and they're trying to achieve, and what commitment means is in at the height of COVID, do you lay off the whole team or do you continue to press forward towards it with a firm you, you want to build, right? Because that, that's a good you know check on commitment. Um, the other thing is just it really comes down to courage. I mean, I, I know this is going to sound you know it's probably silly when I say this, but you can give somebody all the information, like everything. You can give them the full playbook. Here's exactly how you build, you know, this eight-figure law firm. Here's the exact systems. Here are the hiring processes. Here's everything you, you, you can do, the full playbook, step-by-step. Step. But then it comes time for them to hire another lawyer, or then it comes time for them to make a marketing investment or whatever, whatever the writing of the check is. And or, or 90% investing seven, or investing seven figures in a conference when everybody thought you were crazy. Yeah, I mean, so there's like that's the part I think is the is the difference maker. I mean, the difference between a firm, you know, seven figures or eight figures or even six figures or whatever it is, comes down to their like the courage and the willingness that, to write that check. Because if you're only investing in things that are like sure things, like bonds or something like that, right? Th those have the, the least amount of upside. And it, I think it's the willingness to stomach downside, you know, because there's going to be. I mean, with marketing, I mean, how many things do we do that don't work? I, we have a meeting with the with the team this morning. And we're saying, look, probably 50% of the things we try, they don't work, they don't convert, you know, all this other stuff, but we don't really figure out what does work unless we're willing to invest and, and get that data back. So um, that's that's the big one. And for, you know, for let's say somebody doesn't, I, I, this is another thing I've gotten over. If somebody doesn't have that interest in saying, learning the business side of the practice, like you know, they, they wanna build a big practice, but they just don't like this stuff. They want to be in court. They want to be doing legal work. Like that's that's where their passions are. I mean, the best thing you can do is just hire someone, you know, like a COO or someone that can run the practice that can do that stuff. Because if you're trying to juggle both, it's not only is it very difficult to do, but you're, you're working against yourself. So, um, you know, it, at the end of the day, I'd say commitment and courage are probably the two key things, the, the simplifiers. And if someone's saying, well, how do I gain courage? You know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like, I want to be able to, you know, like, like, Two law firm owners. One knows they got to hire like you know three attorneys um, and sits there deliberating for twelve months. But that should they make this investment or not? Another one makes that decision right away, puts up the job posting, hires those people. Let's say they don't work out. Okay, hires three new ones. They don't work out. Hires three more. They don't work out. Hires three more, and then they work out. 
all in the same 12 month time span while the other firm is still deliberating. So at the end of the day, like you're just going to move faster by being decisive, even if like things aren't working out. But the, you know, that first firm owner I'm talking about, let's say they finally make that decision, takes them 12 months, they hire those people and then they don't work out. They're, they're gonna start all over again. So I, I think the speed and the pace at which that, that type of progress can happen really comes down to that decisiveness. And you're not going to be decisive unless you're actually committed to what you're trying to do. And you will never be committed to what you're trying to do if it's not a future that excites you. Like if, if you're just, you know, if you don't have like somewhere you're trying to go and some sort of thing that you're, you know, could transform your life in some way. If you're saying, hey, you know, I want us to grow our business, let's say by 5% or 10% this year. Well, if it's not really meaningful to you, right? If it doesn't change your life or your team members or anything or your clients, then I mean, how committed are you going to be if it gets, you know, if it gets hard and unpleasant? Um, you'll just put it off and say, okay, it was just 10%. We, we have a good life. Why, you know, why rock the boat? But imagine you're trying to like, you know, grow by, and I'm just giving you random numbers, but like grow by 300%. And that allows you to not only expand offices and allows you to build out a great trial team. It allows you to like, you know, bring in new infrastructure, new technology, you know, everybody in your firm now pays off their student loans and they buy homes. Okay. That's worth it. You know, yeah. we're going to, we're going to work differently when we have, you know, a destination that excites us. So, you know, we're, we're, when we start, you know, ever having these conversations, it's, it's always about like, what is that vision for you? And more importantly, what can you actually commit to? You know, because your goals are your goals, but at least make it exciting for yourself because you're never going to do what it takes if it's not, you know, it's not a future you want to get to. That's that's great stuff. That's awesome. uh, well, I can't I can't wait to see what you put together because uh, that that energy is contagious, and uh, it sounds like you have some world class people that are going to help uh, create that vision for people. We'll make sure that there is a registration link uh, below, and uh, you know, can't can't wait for that, Jay. I think I think the takeaway really is have a bias towards action, and and it, and you've shown it with a bias towards action. You've taken Crisp from a one man operation to great heights and every lawyer every business owner that's watching this show today if you have a bias towards action you're gonna you're gonna get results uh and and you're and i think that's really what we saw even during covid there were some lawyers who have a bias towards action who pivoted who changed who adopted new marketing techniques and they're still thriving while other lawyers had a bias towards inaction and they're waiting for things to open back up again it, it, here's a final thing I'll say, because I know we've been talking about this conference. Um, we try to de-risk this as much as humanly possible for, for everyone. So like, if, if you can't stomach the $200, I think it's under $200 ticket, okay? Let's just say that's like, you know, crazy. Um, like We put this $100,000 guarantee on it. So basically we're saying that if after attending the first day, you don't feel like you've received 100,000 of value, I'm not gonna you know, question or dispute it. You could even buy the ticket with the intention of getting your money back. We'll refund the ticket in full. So, I mean, it's just just get there and like, you know, and start, I think, getting engaged, if nothing else, like learn from the speakers, all these different things. And if for whatever reason, maybe you got nine, $99,000 worth of value, it didn't meet the guarantee, fine. We'll, we'll fund the, the ticket, no questions asked. It's okay. Um, oh, and also I had the team set up a code, uh, Max Growth, so they'll get a discount if they uh, end up registering. Well, I'm awesome. willing to pay full price for that because this is going to be a great conference. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you. Sounds great. All right. Th All thank right, you, so, Michael. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll be right back, folks, with more Maximum Growth Live. Want to learn the proven strategies that legal market leaders use to attract the absolute best clients and cases? What about how to stack the deck with the best talent and build a game-changing team? 
Announcing the Evolve Summit, join 5,000 of the nation's most forward-thinking law firm owners on a two-day virtual experience that will empower you to build the law firm of the future. The Evolve Summit features a lineup of world-class speakers, including marketing expert and best-selling author Seth Godin, entrepreneur, investor, and host of CNBC's The Prophet Marcus Limonis, along with legal thought leaders such as America's preeminent trucking attorney Joe Freed, Hall of Fame trial lawyer Mike Papantonio, and many, many more. And unlike most virtual events, this one won't suck. In fact, we're offering a $100,000 guarantee. If after attending the first full day of the Evolve Summit, you don't feel that you've received at least $100,000 worth of value to generate growth in your law firm, simply let us know and we'll refund your ticket in full. Get your tickets now at EvolveSummit.com. And as a listener of this podcast, we'll hook you up. Use the promo code MAXGROWTH, all one word for an exclusive discount. All right, that's it. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. Man, Seth, I got to tell you, you know, bias towards action. If that is not the title of the uh, Mike Mogul uh, autobiography that we're going to read in 20 years, uh, I think it, it absolutely uh, it absolutely should be. What were your takeaways? You know, I, I agreed. It just I, I'm always inspired by the the energy, the the the, the insights to business. Uh, my, one of my favorite Mike Mogul moments was, um, you know, hanging out with him at the end of like an MTMP event, there was like a cocktail party and he was, his team had gone, he was the last guy at his booth. Um, and I remember I hung out with him and two things. One, I got to shoot the show with him for 45 minutes, which is always awesome. But secondly, a client came by who was a client of his that needed digital help. And all of a sudden, that that you know that last hour spent, which looked like it would have zero ROI, not only landed a client for Blue Shark, but you know forty five minutes to an hour with Mogul is always time well spent. So uh, it it was great. Uh, look forward to this. I mean, look, he's he's tilted at windmills and 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 hit home runs multiple times. Curious to see how how this goes. Uh, really can't wait for it. Yeah, you know, and I think there's something that's a, a big takeaway that a lot of people in our audience can recognize is that he's free to admit that he does make mistakes with his marketing team and things that they have done uh, and not everything has worked. And, and, and there's, there's a, um, there's, uh, I don't want to call it dirty secret, but a lot of people in this space, a lot of lawyers, especially um, you only ever see um, the good things. They don't tell you about the warts uh, and, and, and the stumbles and, and those exist for all of us. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I try to be as, open and as transparent as possible. And, and that's one of the things that I like about Mike is that he is approachable and he'll talk to you about um, the problems he's had as much as the victories that he's had, um, because he's, he's not about to say that um, this was just easy. Uh, it, it, it was it was a lot of work. I mean, it's just like anything worthwhile is a lot of work, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for this week on Maximum Growth Live. Uh, as always, you can catch our show here every Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern on our Facebook page, as well as our podcast, which gets released every week as well. Uh, you can get it wherever podcasts are. And of course, that podcast is also syndicated on the Maximum Lawyer podcast. We've got the Maximum Lawyer media family behind us. And, and really this year, we're talking about the, uh, the, the, the crisp, evolve online conference max growth live uh um is going to be uh hopefully at uh, have a presence at the maximum lawyer conference um there's there's some really great stuff out there and i think there's a lot of pent-up energy and ideas a lot of you know that that 
once we get released, Seth, I mean, I know. Yeah, you, well, you know, nobody's looking forward to this more than I am. So my, my kids yeah. are making fun of me. They're like, you got to, dad, what do you, you have to go mean, get out they, of here and go talk to people. For an hour. They've had you home now for an hour, for, for a year and a half. Um, they're probably thinking, when will this guy get out of our hair? We just want to well, be able to they, they also, they also had the, the road trip, right? Then we went from Florida through Atlanta, you know, we're coming up through South Carolina, each place meeting friends and business uh, colleagues. So, like, you know, they, they're they're used to it. They're like, oh, this is what you do. You, you, you just happen to fly to a place where everybody hangs out rather than having to, like, drive to them. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, folks, that's going to leave it for us. Please be sure to tune in every week. Catch us on the podcast. If you get a chance and you have some spare time and you want to learn more about digital marketing, be sure to check into this guy's SEO Insider on the Blue Shark Facebook page. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff there. Always, uh, always really pushing the envelope, talking to some huge, huge names in digital marketing. And of course, if you want to, if you want to get into more about systemizing your law firm, be sure to join our Facebook group, Systemizing Your Law Firm for Growth. Seth, would you have something else to say? No, no, just uh, you know, excited, excited, and uh, let's you know, like when you get when you get a guest like this, it's I gotta go, I gotta go because I gotta go kick some ass. Yeah, absolutely, I'm fired up. I'm I'm going, I'm leaving this, and I'm gonna register for his conference uh, because I know it's gonna be worthwhile. Uh, I'm jazzed up. It's Thursday afternoon. I got another full day of work. I got a couple more hours here, uh, so let's let's knock it out of the park, folks. We'll be with you next week. Thanks for tuning in on this edition of Maximum Growth Live. Thank you for listening to Maximum Growth Live. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes and tune in live on Facebook every Thursday for our live show. For more information, visit Maximum Growth Live on Facebook or MaximumLawyer.com and be sure to share us with your friends.